In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. The word Mary is from an Anglo-Saxon word which literally meant valiant, illustrious, great, or mighty. Thus, to be merry was not merely to be mirthful, but to be joyously strong and gallant. In Shakespeare, we read of fiercely courageous soldiers who were called merry men. Strong winds were merry gales. Fine days were marked by merry weather. So, when we wish one another Merry Christmas, we are really exhorting one another to take heart and stand fast. Merry Christmas, George Grant. And to all of you in our audience at Modern Apocrypha, Merry Christmas. Hello. Indeed. Merry Christmas. Hello. So, this is our Christmas episode, our first Christmas episode, hopefully to be followed by more. Indeed. Indeed. It is a... Uh... Oddly, at times, charged topic, but it does not seem to be, uh, in the last couple of uh, Christmases, to have been a, a, a socially uh, turbulent topic. Yeah, that's fair. And, and in our lifetimes, we've certainly seen more fights about the day than, than currently. Well, the whole thing of it being a Christian holiday, there's there's this sort of this tension there, right? Where people say, oh, it's a Christian holiday, we can't have Christmas from a sort of a secular standpoint, the enemy attacking Jesus tends to be that, right? And then from the other side, you know, Christ Christmas is really not a Christian holiday. It's paganized. It, it uh, overlaps with Saturnalia, and that's really where the source of Christmas came from, which is pretty much total nonsense. I mean, um, when you actually look, there is, I, I don't know, and I don't think anybody actually knows for sure when Jesus was born, but the the idea that the early church fathers actually picked out, well, we kind of know when he was conceived because he was a Jew and they keep records of these things. And so, um, you know, nine months from that was around December 25th, is as I understand it. So saying that it overlaps with this pagan holiday or that pagan holiday doesn't seem to I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't seem to matter to me one way or the other, uh, whether it aligns with other important times and dates. Um, it is um, a turning of the season. It is um, um, the de denotation of a year, uh, which is an arbitrary choice uh, sure. know, in general. You could have, we could have as, as a species decided that, you know, the middle of March was the end of the year and it wouldn't have changed anything. Um, as long as it was, everyone was tracking it the same. So it's a, a standards of measurement issue more so than anything else as far as what a calendar exists for. Um, outside of that, the the culmination of many great things around Jesus' life is kind of expected. <laughs> well, and then you get you get the symbolism too, right? The this is 
right around the time of the shortest day of the year and the idea that the light would come in in the darkest moment is totally appropriate to the symbolism of who Christ was and what he did. And so all in all, I can't say that it, I, I just have a hard time caring what a lot of the secular stuff says anymore, man. It's very, yeah, the, the secular side of things certainly uh, doesn't give you much of a branch to stand on. It's, it's cut its own uh, root, but it, there is quite a bit anytime you are the or the recipient of the 80%. There's always that 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 group that is going to be where the majority wants to go, right? That that um, popular trendy thing. And at times Christ, uh, uh, Christmas has been that. So additional things have been added on. Additional things have been added for political purpose, for you know national means. Um, I'm not even suggesting that those things aren't positive things as well. Having a national tie, especially one to God, is a, a wonderful thing. Yeah. But um, to have a time set aside that you say that you're doing for a reason is the more important thing than what anyone else is celebrating that same time for. I absolutely agree. I so as Christians, we are celebrating a particular thing. We are. And, and I actually think the whole, you know, there are plenty of things I could say about Christmas that are unpopular. Don't lie to your kids and tell them Santa Claus is real because it's still a lie. I mean, you know, all the things. Well, Santa make... Claus is not a, a lie. A spiritual manifestation of uh, Santa Claus in today's day is a lie. But the man, Santa Claus. Santa, well, St. Uh, Nicholas was a real thing. But when exactly. people tell their kids Santa Claus is going to bring you presents, that's a lie. You're lying to your kids. Don't lie to your kids. Well, and we have incorporated that in, in our family. We do a Santa gift every year. Uh, it is unwrapped. It is um, in specific. You could theoretically pick up your Santa gift and give it to any human being on the planet and be a, a acceptable gift to that person. So it is a, sure. a non-tagged gift and an explanation of St. Nick and, and helping the poor. Well, and sure. Good and things and I'm, in that. I'm cool with all of that, right? It's, it, you know, the... The notion that we should be giving, that we should, all of that stuff, I'm great with that. What I have an objection to is one very specific thing, and that is if you tell your kids, Santa <laughs> Claus brings you presents, that's a right. lie. Don't lie to your children. Yes. The, uh, the, I, I looked up a couple of uh, uh, great words, just they're great words because they're so dead gum old. Sure. Um, the, the word advent which okay. is important to the uh, the story itself. Yep. And the other one was, gosh, Theophily. It is essentially uh, what is a representation of God showing himself. Yeah. And so um, the, the Theophily is a nickname for Christmas. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just an, it's what people are sometimes celebrating in replacement for the word Christmas because they are celebrating the proof of God, which yeah, is sure. a great way to. So, to, so uh, if you want to so if you want to don't don't want to say Christmas, but you do want to say, OK, OK, right, fair so you enough. can celebrate your uh, theophily. No, I want to look up the exact word because I don't want to get it right. But the Advent, the Advent is more important to uh, the Christian belief. Uh, yeah. It's just simply because it describes the spiritual and symbolic 
the word itself describes a, a spiritual and symbolic um, uh, word that we that something was going to come. Right? This is the prophesied coming that you're waiting for. The Advent dis, uh, is a word that describes the the waiting. Mm -hmm. So we're awaiting the birth. We're awaiting the Christ. Right? The Advent is. Yep. And in, in our case, maybe we're awaiting the second coming. Indeed. But yeah, absolutely. And, and Advent, you know, the whole Advent calendar thing was something that we did the whole time I was growing up, where you have the little calendar where every day you open one little window and it gives you a, a little uh, verse for I, the story. I got one for my dogs. It's full of milk bones. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> So I, I certainly know the, the the Advent calendar. They're they're a great way to uh, encourage children to uh, to buy into the uh, the story and, and study something that maybe they're not interested in studying at the time of youth because it's full of chocolate. Yeah, sure. So you get you get two minutes of eating chocolate to discuss um, uh, study matters and study topics. I guess. Oh, I don't know. It is also a bit of a. Uh, it is also a bit of a tradition that's been passed down through the uh, English tradition. They've got their Boxing Day, where they hang uh, sweets on the tree. And on the day after Christmas, they'll open those uh, uh, chocolates on the tree. And it also became a bit of a, uh, a sociological difference, because all the people that work for the lords and ladies don't get Christmas on Christmas. They get it the day after Christmas, which was Boxing Day. So the common people open presents on Boxing Day. I see. That's interesting. I actually didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I knew the name Boxing Day, but I didn't know, I had no idea what its significance was. Thank you for that. That's interesting. Yeah. Just the, uh, the common man's day to celebrate because they served the, the, the lords and ladies on the, the holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Since the 1300s, since the 1300s, the uh, English king has had a, a, uh, a Christmas party. Right? He's had a, yeah. you know, 200 sheep slaughtered. Uh, oh gosh, I don't remember exactly the number. I think it was 20 cows and 200 sheep uh, 13 sure. cows. It was le less than 50, but, you know, a small, much smaller number of cows, but 200 sheep on the first major Christmas uh, English uh, royal celebration. Okay. Well, cool. Interesting. Henry II. Henry II. Henry II. Interesting. Our, our traditions are a curious thing. They are a curious thing. And I, I'm being so like you disassociated from any uh, particular uh, branch of the church so connected to god directly not um, allowing you know anybody to say that they're between me and my god yeah uh, that i look at these things as a bit more secular and a little bit more of a oh political push for unity in a country in the way that christmas is handled in most places interesting i can see that you know to me because my family has always been, you know, growing up and then ever since I've had kids, it's always been so, um, so focused on God. We, you know, we'll read the Christmas story. We do give presents, but it's, it's always about Jesus. It's always about God sent his only begotten son for us. Do we have that available? Yeah. I was, I was actually going to say, I can read that. You know, I, I think that we should. I haven't actually read the Bethlehem story since I was so young that my bifocal vision on that to have a an adult's opinion on the interesting. The, yeah, I haven't read the the nativity in. Well, I, there's a, I figured I'd just read the version in Matthew. Um, okay. So let's. Uh, shall we do that now? I'm curious. What is the uh, the uh, 
section that you're reading, and I will look it up as well. Follow okay, along. it's starting, um, let's see, Matthew 1, starting at verse 18 was where I was going to start, though there, the genealogy of Jesus comes before that. And, you know, folks who are listening to this, I don't know whether you read it yourselves or not, or what your tradition is, but to me, this is really the core and the center of what this is all about. So it's only proper that we should be pointing back to this. So Matthew 1.18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And I'm going to continue here. Chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Hmm. 
you know, I think it's, I think it might be the one in Luke that talks about the shepherds, you know, that's a, that's a, the shepherds watching their flocks by night and all, but that's one of the versions of the Christmas story. And, you know, I, how do I put this? In our lives today, all of this seems totally divorced from us. But at the same time, as I've been praying and listening to the Holy Spirit and paying attention, just paying attention over the past month or so, what I've sensed, what I've gotten has been a sense of joy where this is good tidings of great joy for all people. I can feel it. Me too, man. I don't have much argument in the uh, positivity of the season. Looking at this verse, and, and, and uh, both in context of modern Apocrypha and uh, kind of where we're at, it, it occurs to me to ask the question, throughout all of recorded history, biblical history, where are the pyramids? That's a really good question. We don't know. My guess, my best guess, would actually be pre-flood. That they're not actually, their building is not actually recorded in the Bible, that it happened before the flood. And if, if you notice, the flood was like a tiny bit through the very first book of the Bible. They didn't talk a lot about what happened before it. And there's pretty good evidence that the Sphinx especially was exposed to a whole lot of weathering before, before modern day, that there was a whole lot that happened. So right, for anyone that doesn't know that the, uh, the Sphinx has got uh, the body of a cat and the head of an Egyptian uh, uh, royal, uh, you know, a king, and it appears as though that the head is slightly out of proportion and uh, carved after the body of the lion. Yeah, that's, that's probable. And all in all, you ask where the pyramids were. The The modern understanding of where the pyramids were in history comes from pretty sketchy archaeology. Um, you know, there's a lot that's been done on this. Guys like Graham Hancock have a lot to say about archaeology. He's pretty popular. Um, I'm sure a lot of people know that name. but and, and some of it's interesting, but he is not a Christian. His focus on things doesn't come from Christ. So what we can take from him is, yes, things aren't the way we think they are, but they're probably not the way he thinks they are either exactly, if I had to guess. I would go so far as to say that nothing is exactly what any one man thinks exactly. End of sentence. Sure, sure. Well, in this, <laughs> in this instance, very specifically. Open. He's very good about being very open about everything, and that causes some things to slip through the cracks. It does. Well, sometimes common sense would say no. <laughs> and, and either way, what you asked. And I don't know. Well, it does make me wonder if I'm looking at the uh, the bending of history, and as much as uh, the, the powerful want to create history in their image as they go, was the Egypt of Jesus's time the Egypt that we call Egypt today? Was it a different spot entirely? No, no, it was. was it was the one we call Egypt today. It was okay. along the Nile. The you can actually go see places that the the Israelites um, walked when they left that place. There's, if you look, um, 
it's been a while since I have looked into this, but there's a guy a, a number of years ago who wrote a book called The Gold of Exodus. And one of them was sort of a, what would you call it, um, dressed up and fictionalized a little bit for the general public. And then he did a version that was fairly normal and fairly fact-based. And what the whole purpose of that, if I'm remembering right, was to explore what happened with the Israelites on their trek out of Egypt. And one of the things that was discovered, and I think it was in the book, is that when a huge number of people trample a particular path across the ground, you can see that on satellites for thousands of years afterward. We can actually see a path that Israel took after they left Egypt. And it isn't what, you know, what the mountain that's labeled Mount Sinai isn't probably actually Mount Sinai. The, the path that is commonly understood to have been taken probably isn't the one that they actually took. So, yes, the Egypt of Jesus's day was the same Egypt as today. But this is completely not Christmas based at all. But was the landing of the ark not on Mount Sinai? No, it was on Mount. The mountains of Ararat is what it says. Mountains of Ararat. Because we found the, the um, remnants of what we believe to be the ark. Yeah, there are two or three places that people say they've found that, Greg. Yeah. So, exact, which one is correct? Mm, don't know. Well, ideally, you'd be able to uh, find any two or three points that uh, that correspond to, to biblical uh, uh, note, notation and then be able to triangulate the other places described. And two or three different people have said that that's what they've done and they go <laughs> to different trying. places. So, right, they're yeah. trying. so they've tried and, and that's fine, you know. Yeah, that's fine. Um, not relevant to my, my uh, faith or my... Uh, um, well, and not actually relevant to our current discussion in a lot of ways. You know, I no. I don't know about you. Is there any reason we need to make this full length or can we kind of keep this episode short? Because we should actually probably keep it a little bit shorter. It is uh, the Christmas season, actually, and everybody's running around and you know pulling yeah. us in a million directions to get things done. So, so. I have, I still I have three have more presents to wrap. <laughs> yeah, I think we're pretty much done, but still, oh. you know. Tough stuff to do and, and actually i think one of them isn't even finished being made yet so oh wow yeah so um is there anything you want to finish up with because i do have one thought i'd like to close on i would just come back to not letting anyone else tell you what you believe and what you're celebrating on your day right this is your the you should not let someone else tell you that just because someone else said there was a Santa that came down a chimney, that discredits what you believe. That's what mm-hmm. that point I'm trying to make. I don't know. I, I don't know that I can join you on that one. I think that th- there is a very specific reason for Christmas, and that is the birth of Christ. And, you know, if if somebody tells you that it shouldn't be celebrated this way or that way, you can ignore them, that that is what I'm celebrating. And... Along those lines, to our listeners, I would just say this. I pray, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year that God's presence would be felt in your life more strongly for the next 12 months than you've ever had before in your life, that he would bless you more and draw you closer to him than you've ever experienced 
That's to you, Greg, and to all of our listeners. So, you know, that is my blessing on our little group, whatever it is. Indeed. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>